Well, for those of you that may be visiting or weren't here last week, we're continuing on a sermon series during Lent on some of the miracles of Jesus. And primarily, we're focusing on how Jesus is Lord over creation, physical miracles that Jesus performs. The first two we talked about was Jesus turning water into wine, and last week, the feeding of the 5,000. And this week, we're talking about Jesus healing ten lepers and his power of healing, his miraculous power over, if you will, the physical body. But there's also ramifications beyond the physical here. He is Lord over creation. But in a sense, he's Lord over life. And that's what you see also in this particular miracle. And much like we talked about last week with his feeding of the 5,000 and, and the people being hungry because they lived sometimes meal to meal, sometimes day by day, and it's something that's very unfamiliar to most of us. Very similarly with this miracle, leprosy is not something that we're very familiar with. It's not common in our society. Most of us have never been exposed to leprosy. And outside of seeing pictures, much like people that are starving, we've never been exposed to it firsthand. We might have seen pictures. But it's not something that especially is common to the United States. And when we do think about it, we think of third world countries or possibly even back in history. But it's not something we think about today, when in reality, up until the 1980s, there were over 5 million cases worldwide. And it's only recently that it's something that was addressed to the point that now, today, there's probably approximately 200,000 cases worldwide. And actually, in the United States, this might surprise some of you, every year there's approximately 200 cases, new cases, every year. Did you know that? See, and what's interesting is we get anxious or upset over other maladies or viruses or outbreaks that we hear about. Like, for example, the Zika virus, that there's less than that, and yet leprosy, there's 200 cases annually that, that are diagnosed in the United States. Isn't that interesting? Why? Well, one of the reasons why you don't hear about it so often is that, as I pointed out recently, there's been research done and a multi-drug therapy treatment is now done for leprosy because they've discovered it to be a bacteria that attacks the skin. And what's also interesting is the person that was one of the pioneers and primary forces in, in figuring out what was going on with leprosy is a doctor by the name of Dr. Paul Brandt. And most of you probably never heard that name, but Paul Brandt was raised by missionary parents in India. And Paul Brandt who was raised and his parents dealt with many lepers because there were many leper colonies in India because 50% of lepers were found in India. And so he saw the compassion his parents had for lepers 
And he decided his life work would be to somehow figure out how to eradicate the illness. And so he dedicated himself to doing research and taking care of lepers. And, and you may not know this, where he did much of his research and opened his hospital was in Louisiana, interestingly enough. He co-authored two books, and I love this author, Philip Yancey, uh, entitled In His Image and Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. And I commend those books to you. Wonderful books where Paul Brand and Philip Yancey consult And they talk about the human body and the spiritual lessons we can learn from the human body. But Paul Brand was a force in the eradication, or at least the dealing with, effectively, of leprosy. But leprosy, back in biblical days in particular, was much feared. And you could tell by the way Naaman, the Syrian general, or the general from Aram, as we read in our translation wanted to have his leprosy dealt with. And how the ten lepers approached Jesus and wanted to have him heal their leprosy. Because there was such a stigma attached to it, in particular, in Israel. And if you were to look at the Old Testament, in particular Leviticus chapters 13 and 14, you would see a a, a long description as to what to look for with leprosy and how you deal with people that are lepers because leprosy was quite serious. They didn't quite know how to deal with it. And much like the dietary laws that were given, because people didn't know how to cook food, they didn't know about bacteria, there were specifics given about that as well because God cared about health and people didn't know enough scientifically about bacteria to deal with it. So God was a practical God. But unfortunately what happened in Israel is people misunderstood and they went overboard. And so, for example, people overreacted to the point that things like ringworm and eczema were perceived to be leprosy. And they overreacted. And when they read that people who had leprosy weren't around the Ark of the Covenant or the temple, that they were considered unloved by God instead of the fact that the the temple was so holy, the Ark of the Covenant so holy, that it was symbolic that people who were not whole were not to be there because it was symbolic of God's holiness, not that they were unloved. See, we have that mindset sometimes today. You hear it in different circles. That if you had enough faith, God would heal you. Which means you must not be wholly loved by God. And that is a misunderstanding of what faith is about and what God's love is about. Because it has nothing to do with the extent of what God's love is about for you. We don't always understand when God heals. But we do know he's a God of healing at times. We don't understand his ways and his wisdom at times when it comes to his healing. His timing. But the people of Israel went overboard. And so leprosy took many different interpretations of skin diseases 
and the people overreacted. But that's why when you see Naaman, he was able to be a general and be a leper because he was a foreigner. He was from Syria. That he was still able to hold an incredible office, an incredible position. Without the same stigma. And yet at the same time, if someone was a true leper, in effect, they in time were going to have a physical disability that would take its toll. In time, they would experience a premature death. So it wasn't something that people were looking forward to. And in fact, they wanted to be healed from. Because it was serious. Rabbis, during this time, and in fact, especially during the time of Jesus, would put, you could read rabbis who put the healing of leprosy on par with raising the dead. Did you catch what the king of Israel said? When this message was sent from the king of Syria to the king of Israel about, hey, is there a prophet in Samaria who could heal my general? He thought that he was trying to pick a fight with him because the healing of lepers just doesn't happen. Yeah, I told Kathy, I said, it reminded me of Braveheart. You know, when Mel Gibson, you know, he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm picking a fight, you know, for those of you that know Braveheart. That's what the king of Israel thought was going on, that he was picking a fight because there's no way that someone was going to be able to heal a leper. That's how serious they took this. And yet there was a prophet. And his name was Elisha. Who could heal a leper. But leprosy in Israel was totally different. It was much more serious. But in either event, it was devastating. And it was devastating on multiple levels if you really understand what was going on with leprosy. First of all, physically. What happens because of leprosy is that slowly it eats away your skin. The bacteria would cause the skin to deteriorate wherever it was. And then because of that, it would eventually consume the nerves so much so that you wouldn't be able to feel. And so the limb would be bruised. You would do damage to the limb. Eventually the limb would deteriorate and eventually fall off. And that's why when people who had leprosy would see lepers out there, they knew it was coming. It was almost like slow torture. I mean, it was almost like seeing a diabetic who was a serious diabetic. I had an uncle who was a diabetic and lost limbs because of diabetes. That's how serious it was. That physically, at some point, you were going to lose. And that's why... The people wanted those people 
away. That's why, if you look at Leviticus 13 and 14, the people were taken out, away from other people. They were told to call out unclean. Because physically, it ate away at someone. And it was a devastating illness. Emotionally, what would happen to people, because they were taken away from from their family, they were taken away from their community, they weren't allowed in their home, they weren't allowed in the place of worship, that emotionally they suffered. They had no community. They had no physical touch from loved ones. They were ostracized. And how painful that would be. I mean, we all read these, you know, these statistics about how many hugs you need a day, you know? We are so conscious of keeping distance from people today who have colds. Right? You see someone that's sneezing or coughing and you walk around them. I'm so conscious of it. When I have a bad cold on a Sunday morning, I warn people, if you're concerned about getting a cold, don't come near me. And you'd be amazed. Most people don't. Because they know they're going to get a hug. I can't say I blame you, but that's the point. And I don't know if you've ever experienced ostracism in your life. Some of you know this story about me. When we were 11 years old, my dad graduated night school. We moved out to the suburbs. And I was plump. I was geeky. I was a straight-A student. I was a soprano. That was not the formula for being popular. I was not athletic like I am today. Was that good, Keith? (laughs) Larry? And so I was ostracized at times. It's not fun. People who are ostracized experience pain for one reason or another. Alienation is painful. And these people were alienated by everyone. The only welcome they had was from other lepers. So much so that you found leper colonies. So much so that you would find a Samaritan amongst Jewish lepers. Because they were all unclean. That's what they shared in common. Being unclean. Because ultimately, they were all in the same spiritual condition. Because of the misunderstanding. They were all considered unforgiven and unforgivable. Alienated from their family. Alienated from the community. Alienated from God. They were hopeless. They were Desperate. 
if you really understood their condition in Israel. But God can heal. And that's the point of both the Old Testament reading and the New Testament reading. God can heal. What's fascinating is what would, pre- what would have prevented the healing? In the Old Testament, what would have prevented the healing is pride. Naaman said, are you kidding me? He wants me to wash in the Jordan? Now you need to understand the context. The two rivers that he's referring to in Damascus, in Syria, were beautiful, pristine rivers. They were beautiful. Now, I've never been to the Jordan, but I've heard of people who've been to the Holy Land. They said, that river is dirty. Okay? It would be like me, back when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, in, you know, like, let's say the 60s, if I would go down and wash in the Monongahela, I'd come out toxic. Not only would I be dirty, I'd glow. It's interesting. That's what he's saying. He's saying, why would I do that? He thought that something magical was going to happen. Pride. Pride prevents us from going to the Lord. Or disbelief. He can't really heal me. I don't want to go to him. Or maybe we hide it. If we put enough clothes on, we can hide the fact. We can deny it to ourselves, hide it from others. That will prevent healing. God will heal if we go to Him. Humbly. With honesty. Seeking Him. Because He wants to heal us. And if we really understand the grace that we've been given, we're grateful. We're grateful. Isn't it fascinating that Jesus makes the point that this foreigner, this Samaritan, came back and thanked me? The implication is the nine men of Israel, the nine lepers, who really should have, my people didn't, And the word Jew, Yehuda, means praise? Because God has chosen them? You would think they would understand the grace of God? See, but Naaman 
understood the grace he was given. And the Samaritan understood the grace he was given. When you understand the grace that you've been given, that this is not about you earning your way, being good enough, doing something, that it's all about God's grace, you're grateful. If you think this is about you and what you've done or who you are, you're not grateful and you don't live a grateful life. You don't live a life of thanksgiving. You don't give back to the Lord. You're not gracious towards other people. You don't understand grace that's been given to you. When you understand that God's grace has been poured into your life, you learn what it means to live a grateful life, a gracious life, because of what God's done for you. The fact that Jesus went to the cross for you. The fact that he died for you. Your life becomes a thank you. Just as we don't understand, give us this day our daily bread. We sometimes don't understand the depth of God's healing of our lives. We live superficially. Instead of day by day with that, thank you for his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. You know, if you really understand what God's done, what Jesus has done on the cross, you understand that what your sin is, is the leprosy of your soul. That physically, sin takes a, a toll in your life, if you really understand. If you really understand, sin emotionally destroys relationships in your life. Breaks your family, marriages, community, friendships. If you really understand, sin takes a spiritual toll in your life, breaks your relationship with God, and causes, causes moral corruption in your life, if you really understand. leprosy of the soul. God cares more about that. That's why he sent his son. That's why the cross. Because the leprosy that exists in us is far more critical than any leprosy that might exist on us. And the toll that it takes is far greater. In this life and for eternity. That's what he cares about. That's what he cares about. You know, I mentioned that leprosy eventually hits the nerves and causes numbness. A lot of people are numb right now. 
They're numb to their own sin. They're apathetic towards God. And they're not grateful. The church needs to be a leper hospital. Think about that. Either you've already been healed of your leprosy, and you need to start caring with compassion for others. You need to understand the grace given to you and live a grateful life, or you need to find the healing, one or the other. But the church needs to be a leper hospital. And we need to get the word out that there's a cure for leprosy of the soul. And his name is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, sometimes we're looking for miracles that pale in comparison to the greatest miracle of all. The healing of the leprosy of our souls. That takes its toll in so many ways in our lives. Our families. That our pride gets in the way, our denial... And we leave a trail of brokenness. Lord, I pray if there's any here who need healing, that they would find you mighty to heal. And Lord, that all of us would truly see the grace that we've been given. That we would live grateful and gracious lives. That we would be people who would want others to know the healing. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.